that you're born an Italian If you want your life to be great See that you're born an Italiano And your life will be great From the moment you're a small bambino You eat pizza, you drink vino Then they make you roly-poly You get stuffed with ravioli If your mama's a paisano You will have the world on a plate So see that you're born an Italiano And your life will be great Hey there, Paisani. Welcome back to the Italian-American Podcast. I'm John Viola, and flying solo today. want to make sure that I wish everybody a belatedly happy Easter, a Buona Pasqua to everybody out there. Hope you had a wonderful week. We took the week off and thoroughly enjoyed a little bit of downtime with our leftover pastiere and pizza grana and all the wonderful things that everybody made uh, this Easter. This is an episode that we put together kind of last minute in reaction to some news of the day that we thought was important to the Italian-American community, and... Uh, the person who really pushed me to make sure we got this episode done, of course, is our beloved associate producer, my right hand, Miss Stephanie Longo, coming in from the production booth in Scranton, Pennsylvania. And Stephanie, it's good to be back together again. And of course, if at any point you want to jump in, it's always great to have your uh, your take on the news of the day. I'll just jump in and say hello to everybody. And I just can't wait to hear this episode. I'm probably going to be sitting in my booth just hanging off of every word because I'm really excited about the topic. Don't you feel like that every week? Yeah. I guess I do. <laughs> I, <laughs> when I you just... like what you do, well, this is what happens. <laughs> but this is a good thing. Yeah, this is a really good thing. But before we start, I do want to just congratulate Stephanie because you had some great news this morning. I did. My little side passion project, this blog that I run about the Irpinia section of Italy, actually got two awards in the Pennsylvania Press Club competition for two articles that I did. So very excited about that. Thanks. Well, I'm very proud of you as a member of the Italian-American podcast family, but also as an Italian-American to be able to take first and second place in the category, uh, dominating that field with Italian content. So well done. (laughs) And if anybody out there is interested in or from the area of Irpinia, her Pina stories, you can find it online and uh, read some of her amazing writing because she's an excellent journalist. And coincidentally, you and I found out a couple weeks ago, we may be related. We are related. <laughs> so uh, you sound like Pat. we got to get the details. We think through marriage somewhere, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So a very close friend of mine, Denise D'Antona, she is the expert in that section of Italy's genealogy. And when you and I were talking that one day with Pat and we discovered that you had an ancestor from Sant'Angelo dei Lombardi, which is the next town over from Guardia Lombardi, where my grandfather was born, we realized the trees in that section of Italy tend to crisscross and Sant'Angelo and Guardia, there's actually disputed territory that we get tossed between the two towns. And a lot of Sant'Angelo's in my tree. And it just so happened that Denise was able to pinpoint exactly how we we're related. It goes way back into about the 1600s, but it's pretty cool that we're related. We're already familia in that sense, but now to be actual blood relations, that's really awesome. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. We're going to keep digging further, and I'm sure we'll share with our audience uh, more genealogical gems that we dig up. But I'll tell you, it does make you think, especially when you do this kind of research, how, you know, even though we're demographers estimate somewhere in the 21 to 25 million of us who are self-identifiably Italian-American, you know, that feels like a significant number. But in truth, it really is kind of a 
very tight-knit uh, community and you could find interrelations with everybody. And I think it speaks to the topic that we're going to talk about today, which is in some ways a continuation of our series, Conversations on Columbus, which many of you have written to us about. And I think over the weeks leading up to Columbus Day last year, we did what we thought was sort of a public service exploration. And if you haven't listened to it already, you could find it in our archives and even separate it out as its own series on our website, ItalianAmericanPodcast.com. But, you know, this idea of the community and what it is today, what it has been in the past, where it's going, where it's come from, it's come up a lot in the past year, particularly around this topic of Columbus Day. And I think everybody who are longtime listeners know uh, I'm in no rush to find uh, more reasons to to talk about this topic than we have already because we've done so much about it. But I think what has happened in the past couple of weeks, really just over a week, is unprecedented in the history of the Italian-American community, which is a major lawsuit filed in the city of Philadelphia against the mayor of Philadelphia around his decision to unilaterally do away with the holiday of Columbus Day in the city. And uh, we're very, very happy today to be able to sit down with the man who has brought this lawsuit to bear, Mr. George Paquetto, a lawyer from the city of Philadelphia, and someone who has been at the forefront of this really unprecedented action in the history of our community. So, George, welcome to the Italian American Podcast. Thanks. Glad to be here. Well, really happy to have you, and uh, I, I want to dive right in. Can you explain to the audience, you know, I'm talking about this unprecedented moment, what's going on here? What is this lawsuit, and what does it mean for the Italian American community? Well, here's where we are. Uh, we filed this lawsuit last week following perhaps two years or more of repeated instances of trying to cancel Italian culture in Philadelphia. Um, the most recent cancel culture action that was taken by the mayor unilaterally was to issue an executive order that says from now on, we're not going to be celebrating October 12th as Columbus Day. We're going to be celebrating that instead as Indigenous Peoples Day. Uh, no advanced public notice was sent out, no opportunity for the public to comment. He bypassed the city council. He bypassed various administrative agencies uh, that had a role or were to have a role in this. And he just announced it. And by fiat, uh, those of us in Philadelphia no longer can celebrate Columbus Day. Well, there were a number of problems with that fiat, uh, not the least of which is the Equal Protection Clause of the United States Constitution, which provides, among other things, that governments and governmental agencies and governmental actors shall treat each ethnic group equally. They're not going to discriminate. They're not going to favor one over the other. And, you know, the, the very fundamental basis of our lawsuit is, look, if the indigenous people deserve or want or desire a holiday, great. We're all for it. Pick any day you want, have indigenous people's day. But you cannot, under the United States Constitution, say, okay, we're going to cancel Columbus Day because we think Columbus was a murderer and an enslaver and replace it with Indigenous Peoples Day. That exalts one ethnic group over another. It disdains another. It's just so patently unconstitutional and frankly, un-American. 
that uh, those of us here in Philadelphia were just stunned by what took place. Now, as I mentioned, this was only the last act in a long line of acts over the last couple of years that have been prejudicing the Italian-American community here in Philadelphia. So we finally stood up and we finally say, all right, we've had enough of this cancel culture nonsense. We're going to take you to court. We're going to hold you to the standards set forth in the U.S. Constitution. And in order to do that, for those of us in the audience who are not lawyers or have not had the experience of going to court, particularly at a level like this, who's required to do this? Who are the plaintiffs in this case? How were they brought together? You know, who, who plays what role? Well, that's a really good question, because when you get involved in constitutional litigation, which this is, uh, standing, the right to bring the action is a very, very carefully monitored uh, process. We have brought this action on behalf of not only the 1492 Society, which is located here in Philadelphia, which itself sponsors the Columbus Day Parade and many of the Columbus Day festivities, We've also brought it on behalf of the Conference of Presidents, which is an organization that consists of all of the major Italian-American organizations in this country and is headed up by a very, very prominent Italian-American by the name of Basil Russo, who is the president of the Conference of Presidents. And so this is really a nationwide focus on this case here in Philadelphia brought by virtually every important Italian-American organization that we have in this country. So we've got a tremendous amount of support for it. Now, we also have named, as a plaintiff, a council member from the Philadelphia City Council, because, of course, Mayor Kenny's unilateral action cheated or deprived the city council from their role in determining uh, what holidays are celebrated in the city. So uh, Councilman Mark Squilla is also a plaintiff and has also been injured directly as a member of city council by the actions of the mayor. So we've had Mr. Russo on the show before. Uh, Our audience has met him in conversations about the major Italian-American summit that was held a few weeks ago. uh, And everybody in our audience has had a chance to hear him speak about that direction and where it's going. Um, Tell me a little bit about what the reaction has been like in both the Italian-American community in Philadelphia and in the wider community uh, of the city in the sort of conoscenti, the movers and shakers in Philadelphia? Yeah. Well, the reaction has been uh, very prolific. On the Italian-American side, we've just gotten an enormous outpouring of support from Italian-Americans, Italian-American organizations, people that Uh, are friends or associated with Italian organizations. Finally, something is being done to push back on all of these things. And the other reaction we've gotten, which has also been widespread, has been from the minority community. And the minority community, uh, interestingly, um, uh, has really, I think, failed to understand that Fundamental to our lawsuit is that we're not saying indigenous people shouldn't have their own holiday or aren't deserving of commemoration or public respect. We do feel that way and we want that and we we support an indigenous people's day. 
but you don't knock out one ethnic group's heritage and dignity and ceremony just to replace it with some other. And I think that there's been a fundamental misunderstanding by some of the minority community as to what it is we're actually trying to accomplish. And if you really look at it in a broader picture, every minority group in this country ought to applaud what we're doing because what we're doing is standing up for the principle that you cannot mistreat any ethnic group, whether it's the Italian Americans, Latin Americans, African Americans, all of these groups deserve equal protection under the law and should not be singled out or disdained by mayors or governors or, or local governmental actors. But the, but the amount of outpouring that we've received in support of this action has really been tremendous. You know, when we talk about these concepts with people, I think, again, for those of us who don't have a legal background, it's easy to fall into the trap of thinking about these things just in terms of the language, you know, a protected group and an ethnic group and things like that. There are also very clear-cut definitions of these things that come out of either law or case precedent, things like that. There exists a designation of a protected group in this country, right? The the idea that an ethnic group can be protected and highlighted as, I guess, a minority group and legally considered a minority group. I know there is some precedent in the past uh, in a case that was brought against the City University of New York, I think in the 60s or 70s, that in that institution, Italian-Americans were, at the end of that case, designated as a protected minority class. First of all, could you explain that a little bit maybe to the audience? And is that the only example where we as a community have been seen as a protected ethnicity? Well, you, you really raise a very important point, John, and it, it really is kind of the foundation of bringing this kind of a constitutional case. Yes, there is that example in New York. There are a couple of other examples in the federal courts over the last couple of decades uh, around the country. But the concept is basically that do a group of people associate themselves with an ethnicity or a religious belief or a, a gender preference now is, the, is, is a popular area of litigation. If you have recognizable, distinguishable characteristics that identify a group of people, then that group of people can be entitled to constitutional protection, equal protection under the law. And that is an evolving thing. For example, we're now seeing, John, a lot of litigation concerning transgender discrimination, uh, LGBT litigation, that type of thing. And that's kind of a new group to kind of assert their rights, but it's perfectly legitimate under the Constitution. Italian-Americans, of course, have a long and rich tradition of being an ethnic group, being closely identified with one another, sharing a common heritage, common culture. So it is clearly the law that Italian-Americans constitutionally are a protected group, whether they're considered minority group or otherwise. They are clearly constitutionally protected. It's interesting also because one of the things that we delved pretty deep into in our 
prior series, uh, this conversations on Columbus, is the idea of our communities. I don't want to say ownership of, but I guess that's really kind of the the best way to say it. Uh, ownership of uh, relationship to singularity around Columbus Day, Columbus statues, and things like that. We know from prior interviews that Columbus Day predates the Italian-American arrival in the country. It's a holiday that, in none of its writing, at least at the federal level, talks about it as an Italian-American holiday. It talks about the Colombian exchange and the beginnings of this country and the you know popular mythology around the beginning of the country. It, would a victory here in the courts also set the precedent that Columbus Day is then, from a legal perspective, sort of de facto and de jure an Italian-American holiday? Yeah, I think it, I think it would, John, and I think you expressed it very well. That's that's really kind of at the core of what we're trying to establish. But let's not forget how Columbus Day came about on a federal level. Your audience is probably well aware of, but uh, a lot of Americans are not. Columbus Day came by as a result of active discrimination against Italian immigrants back in the 1800s, and there was a very severe situation in New Orleans where 13 Italian-American or Italian immigrants uh, were hanged to death, uh, having been falsely accused of assaulting a local sheriff. And the country was so outraged at what took place there, along with some activities that the Ku Klux Klan was then engaged in, that federal Congress passed a resolution that required uh, the president to recognize Columbus Day as an official federal holiday. And it's come to be regarded uh, in this country by Italian Americans as not just a symbol of you know, mistreatment back in the 1800s or a, a symbol of what Christopher Columbus did or didn't do when he first landed in the West Indies. Columbus Day has become really an iconic symbol for celebrating Italian-American culture, Italian-American achievements in this country, the long struggle that they went through when when the immigrants first arrived here and how difficult the conditions were, Uh, even the voyages here for most Italian immigrants was a very difficult two-week voyage. So it's come to represent a lot of things positive and proactive about the Italian-American culture. And that's what it really stands for. Uh, And I think it less stands for what Christopher Columbus actually did or did not do when when he first landed in the West Indies and is more a case of the entire Italian-American experience in this country and a celebration of just how well it's worked. One of the interesting things that came out of our interviews before was the interview we did with Professor Bill Connell of Seton Hall University, who has sort of become an expert in the history of Columbus Day because of his expertise in medieval studies and medieval Italian studies in Columbus. And, uh, you know, he points out something really interesting that the 1892 federal celebration and President Harrison's uh, decision to emphasize this holiday nationally is born both out of the lynching in New Orleans in 1891, but also the massacre at Wounded Knee. And the government at the time wanted to find a holiday that was not necessarily a holiday of the 
elite, you know, a holiday that could celebrate the ethnic diversity of this country, the groups that had been imposed upon both European immigrants like the Italian-Americans, but also indigenous peoples and, and the, the massacre and tragedy at Wounded Knee. This was a holiday that was born of inclusiveness and uh, not necessarily exclusivity. And one of the points that Professor Connell puts forth is that perhaps as the holiday became, even into the 60s, you know, still uh, the Hispanic community participated at, at significant levels, as the holiday became more associated with Italian-Americans, particularly after the internment of Italians during the Second World War, when it was sort of re-emphasized its Italianness, uh, in many ways it's, it's probably hurt the appreciation of the holiday on, on a national level because people don't feel that it's a holiday for all of them. But I've always felt that it's a great opportunity to both celebrate who we are as a people, but also the diversity of this country, which, you know, is is in some ways more under fire today than it's ever been. Um, There's certainly a population in the Italian-American community that feels that you can have an Italian-American day without Christopher Columbus. I've gone on the record saying that if a city is uncomfortable with the celebration of Columbus, for whatever reason, if they go through the proper channels we should still be able to have an October 12th as a sort of secularized Italian-American day. How do you and the plaintiffs respond to the idea that you can celebrate Italian-Americanism without celebrating Columbus? Yeah, that's a, that's a very interesting point, John. And it, you know, it, it's a point that I think lends itself to a lot of different perspectives. And, and there, there, I think there are arguments for and against those approaches. But I think the core of it, John, is the sense of inclusivity. You know, my personal view is indigenous people deserve their own holiday. Some say that Thanksgiving is really that holiday, and maybe Thanksgiving should be renamed Indigenous People Day. Um, I don't I don't know that uh, from my client's point of view, all these Italian-American organizations, I don't know that they're completely opposed to having an Italian-American holiday under some other name other than Columbus. But the fact is that if you really look carefully at the research on Columbus and everything, these allegations of genocide and enslavement and so on and so forth, they're way, way out of proportion to what the reality is. And I have carefully studied a lot of the primary source materials. And I have numerous experts that are a part of this lawsuit, nationally recognized experts, who say that these atrocities that are being attributed to Christopher Columbus just didn't occur on his watch or as a result of action that he took. And in fact, he took actions directly contrary to those things. Uh, One of the points we make in the lawsuit is that when Christopher Columbus first landed in the West Indies, there were different indigenous tribes. And one tribe uh, had actually enslaved a different indigenous tribe. So slavery wasn't something that Christopher Columbus brought to the West Indies. And, And I think that Columbus was getting a bad rap historically from all of that. But you do raise a very uh, interesting and important issue. Maybe at some point, John, it's going to come to that. But right now, uh, I think the the fight has to be, you can't just cancel Columbus Day 
because some mayor wakes up on the wrong side of the bed one day and, and decides he doesn't like Italian Americans anymore. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about the idea that the mayor doesn't like Italian Americans anymore because in reading through the lawsuit and in reading through the mayor's uh, abbreviated response to it in the past week, from the lawsuit you get the sense that this is uh, an issue that the mayor has with the Italian American community in general. Mayor Kenny has only gone on the record in response to this to say the lawsuit is a patently meritless political ploy, will waste precious resources at a time when we're trying to both deal with the devastating pandemic and work to build a safer and more equitable city for all residents. Uh, and then, of course, he says, given the pending litigation, I'm, on, I'm no, not able to comment any further at this time. I, I would have expected a response that was, at least in some part, um, supportive of and considerate to the experience of Italian Americans in the city because it's a significant population of the city of Philadelphia with the rich history, you know, many, many neighborhoods, many important landmarks, the Italian American experience in Philadelphia, many different and uh, diverse Italian American communities. But I have to say I'm a little surprised that the mayor doesn't even mention any of the Italian American contributions to the city or the country in his very brief remarks in the lawsuit it talks about a pattern of behavior from the mayor. Could you explain to us kind of what that is and uh, where that comes from? Yeah. Uh, you know, the mayor's uh, brief statement when the lawsuit was filed, I think rings loud about his disdain for Italian Americans because he didn't come out and say, Oh, this is completely untrue. I have high regard for the Italian Americans or I would never try to hurt that group. Now he comes out with some, you know, kind of boilerplate rhetoric about this being a meritless political ploy. What does that mean? That doesn't mean anything. And it's a fact that this mayor has a long history of anti-Italian American conduct. Now, let me give you a little insight into why I think that is. And it's not even in the lawsuit. But when our mayor, Jim Kenney, was a younger a political operative. He worked for a very powerful state senator in the Philadelphia area known as uh, Vincent Fumo. And he worked for Vincent Fumo for many, many years. And over the years, he apparently developed like a grudge or a, or a dislike for Senator Fumo uh, for God only knows what reason. But now that he's in power, after Senator Fumo helped make him who he is. Now that he's in power, he has just gone out of his way time after time after time to disparage the Italian-American communities. I'll give you an example. Philadelphia has hundreds of statues within its municipal borders. In fact, we have in Philadelphia more municipal statues in our borders than any other city in the country. And that includes New York City. Of all those hundreds of statues, Mayor Kenny has chosen to attack two of them, both of them of iconic Italian-Americans. The first was the former mayor, Frank Rizzo. In the middle of the night, he, he whisked that, stole it away, damaged it, destroyed it. No one asked him to. He didn't ask anybody's permission. He just did it. Uh, he tried to do the same thing with the Christopher Columbus statue in Marconi Plaza in South Philadelphia. Uh, but we got wind of it in advance and we were able to obtain a court injunction that prevented him from doing that. Uh, Mayor Kenny's made all kinds of disparaging uh, 
remarks about Italians calling him guidos and this epithet and that epithet. He's been very quick to label Italian-Americans who wanted to stand up to protesters as vigilantes. Not that they were protesters and not that they had their own exercise of First Amendment freedoms, but now somehow they're vigilantes when they were trying to stop mobs from burning down buildings and, and desecrating public monuments and that type of thing. So Mayor Kenny has a long history of, of this, and it's unmistakable, and it's regrettable because no mayor of a big city, any big city, whether it's Philadelphia, Chicago, New York, whatever the big city is, there are so many different ethnic groups in that city. They are so diverse. A mayor has to understand that he represents all of these groups. He can't just start picking and choosing which he wants to start knocking down. And, you know, we, the Italian-Americans in Philadelphia, and all of our brothers from around the country, I think by this lawsuit, we basically said, we're not going to take it anymore. We're not going to put up with that kind of irresponsible, cavalier-type uh, leadership. We're going to hold you to the standards that makes this country what it is. And those are our constitutional standards. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You know, it's interesting you reference the idea that the Italian-American community sort of standing up at a time when frankly, it's sometimes easier to put your head in the sand and sort of see where the winds go, right? I mean, a lot of what's going on right now is very emotionally driven reactions, and rightfully so for a lot of communities that are imposed upon in the country. But it does seem like Italian-Americans are reacting in a way that we never really have. And I think one of the things that I find interesting about this case and why I was so excited to sit down with you and talk about this was because the idea that legal action's been taken and a case has been built is very different than sort of counter-protests or, you know, going to the media and things like that. We also saw this week another similar development, really interestingly enough, in Chicago. You mentioned all these big cities. In Chicago, the Italian-American Joint Civics League, which is the sort of um, mother group of all right. the organizations yes. in the Italian-American Chicago, uh, mm-hmm. was able to, after a lot of hard work and research, track down the founding documents to one of the statues of Christopher Columbus in the city and find out that, in fact, as they had asserted, the statue was owned in perpetuity by the Italian-American community and the donors that had put it together and then given to the city with some very, very strict legal requirements to how they would maintain it there. And so one of these statues that was, again, taken down in the middle of the night, now there is the case that, well, you know, there's, there's legal background here to say that the city does not have the right to do that and agreed at its creation to protect it and uh, uh, maintain it for in perpetuity. It's really wild to see the community beginning to sort of take a sophisticated stance in these issues around legality. I know there's statues all over the country of Columbus that were, in fact, like here in New York, uh, 
where we look out at the statue of Christopher Columbus in Columbus Circle, were in fact funded by Italian-American groups. Yeah. Many of them donated to the city. In some cases, they did have these documents. In some cases, they've been lost. Where do you think this goes from here with cases like your own or cases like Chicago? Do, do you feel that this is going to be a developing trend in really doing the, the work and the due diligence to get to the legal basis for a lot of these things? Absolutely. Um, you know, you, you've laid the case out well. Most of these statutes, most of these monuments do have a history of a group or a series of people that got together, formed a committee, a monument committee, that type of thing, that made a donation to a municipality. There are donation agreements for many of these statutes. Uh, for example, the Christopher Columbus statute in Marconi Plaza in Philadelphia was donated by the Italian government wow. back in the 1850s. And we have those donation documents. Uh, I've seen the documents on the Chicago statute, and that is absolutely a sound basis upon which to contest the actions taken by Chicago. I'm involved in another case in Pittsburgh where they tried, the city tried to take down the Christopher Columbus statute in Shenley Park which is a very beautiful park in Pittsburgh. It's a magnificent statue. And the mayor decided he was just going to take it down. Well, we went and we resourced the fact that this was donated to the city by an Italian-American group. City council in Pittsburgh passed an ordinance that said this statue shall be placed in Shenley Park. And of course, the mayor doesn't have the right to just unilaterally override uh, an ordinance in Pittsburgh. And we were able to enjoin the removal of that statute. So there are sophisticated bases all over the country to contest the kind of unilateral uh, fly by the seat of their pants, knee jerk reactions of some of these wayward political leaders who think that they can just start tearing down culture and tearing down heritage and tearing down monuments at will. They can't. They don't have the legal right to do it. They don't have the constitutional right to do it. And I think you're seeing a much broader recognition nationwide of the kind of rights that, that can be enforced to make sure that this kind of destructive behavior doesn't persist. So tell me and tell the audience, where does it go from here? Because again, this is sort of, I'm sure, new to many people, this is idea. And this is a constitutional um how, how did you describe it? A constitutional challenge to the mayor's action. Yeah. We want to declare void. Mayor Kenny issued an executive order. It says from now on, Columbus Day no longer exists. We're going to call October 12th Indigenous Peoples Day. So the first thing we're asking the court to do is declare unconstitutional that executive order and void it. The second thing we're going to ask the court to do is reimburse each of my clients, the various Italian-American groups, the attorney's fees and costs that they are incurring in having to enforce the United States Constitution. And we want to get into court just as quickly as we can, because I'm absolutely convinced we're right and we're going to win this. And the sooner we can get into court, the sooner we can have a public declaration that we're right. And how long does that process usually take? Too long. What too long. <laughs> of course. It's always too long. Um, it's going to take at least six months. 
Uh, I can't imagine it going any quicker than that. It could take up to a year or so. Frankly, I think once the case gets focused on, it can be decided very promptly because our rights are so clear. But, you know, the wheels of justice grind slowly and the city has a right to respond. So they get 30 days and there's discovery rights and there's this right and that right. It's, it's, it's a process. Is there a chance that this goes to higher courts? Yeah, uh, I think it, I think there's a very good chance that it goes to higher courts. Uh, in the unlikely event that we were not to prevail at the district court level, we would certainly take the appeal to the circuit court. I would imagine the city, embarrassed as they're going to be by an initial ruling by the district court, they too will probably try to take it to a circuit court. Could it ultimately go to the Supreme Court? Maybe. Wow. So this is a this is a this is a big deal, a big deal and a long battle, yeah. right? I mean, this is not something that people are going to see the end of in the very very near term. This both. is this is not the people's court where you show up and you get you get your ruling that day, and you get interviewed in the hallway. This is going to be you know uh, a, a long process, but I think a necessary process. And I'm very, very hopeful, and I know my clients are very, very hopeful, that we set a precedent so that these kind of assaults on Columbus Day, et cetera, don't keep taking place around the country. And, and from a legal perspective, if that is the case, you win this in whatever court that it ends up in at the, the highest levels, that precedent then can be utilized by communities around the country, right? Exactly. That, that's, exactly. that's how our law works. Exactly right. And that's why it's so important for us to win. And that's why we have so many different organizations from around the country, thanks to Basil Russo and his leadership. I mean, Basil's been unbelievably supportive in this. And thanks to his leadership, we're trying to set, set the template for the country. Do you think that this will impact other communities that are, you know, non-Italian communities that feel equally uh, impressed upon or imposed upon in their own experience? Absolutely. I mean, if some mayor in some cockamamie city woke up one morning and said, from now on, we're not going to be celebrating St. Patrick's Day. Because I don't like, you know, there's too much beer drinking going on that, that day. You, you can't do that. And, and I, you know, it, it, this this case will also help that kind of a situation. If 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 God forbid, there's a there's a mayor that wants to pick on Puerto Ricans or whatever. This is this is going to be the kind of case that says you can't do that, regardless of which ethnic group you're you're picking on. Yeah, it's really interesting to see our community involved in such a landmark case, George. Before we go, and again, I don't know what I can say on and off the record. Can I tell the audience that you're doing this pro bono? Well, I am doing it pro bono, though uh, we are soliciting donations to support the costs that are involved. We have experts that we need to hire. Um, there, there's a lot of costs that, that go into a court proceeding. Uh, so, you know, I haven't been paid a penny. And if I never get paid a penny, I'm okay, but uh, we are we are hopeful that we can get a groundswell of support so that we can build up a coffer to show these governments that we we're going to have the the muscle we're going to have the firepower not only here in Philadelphia but elsewhere to deal with these things 
And I think a show of financial strength is very important. So you were telling me before, briefly, while we were off mic about your time as the boxing commissioner in Pennsylvania, and you've had a successful career. Um, You know, this is, I, I hate to say this about anybody who practices law, but, you know, you're not an ambulance chaser here. You're a very accomplished lawyer with the prominent position in your city and your state. Uh, to donate your time for this, you know, you, you, you normally be compensated quite significantly. What is it about this that you have become so passionate about? Because like you say, you're involved in Pennsylvania. You really are involved at a national level on this issue. Why? Well, I, I'm, I'm deeply concerned about the process and the, and the issues that are involved here. You know, since when do, do, do mayors wake up and decide they're just going to start canceling things? Uh, I mean, you know, today it's the Italian-Americans. Tomorrow, who knows who it's going to be? What happens if a David Duke gets into, uh, you know, a position of authority? Is he going to start going around canceling uh, African-American culture and that type of thing? It's, it's, it's an outrage. And, you know, I've gotten to the point in my career, John, where I really feel an identification with the following idea. If you don't stand for something, you stand for nothing. I don't want to stand for nothing. I do care about my community, and I do care about where we're headed. And I do want to see reforms in this country concerning racism and criminal justice and other freedoms. But I'll be damned if I'm going to sit back and allow some cockamamie mayor who's lost his way to trample uh, the American Constitution in the process. I've, I'm just not going to put up with it. And, you know, I'll, I'm going to fight, you know, I'm going to keep fighting there. You know, I'm, I have a boxing background. I've been punched in the nose before, but I know how to punch back. <laughs> My father was a boxer in college. He always says that. Once you get punched in the nose, you realize you survive and you, you go out swinging. That's you know, the, Mike, that's the... Mike Tyson has a, has a great quote, and I even have it on my website. Everybody's got a game plan until they get punched in the mouth. You know, <laughs> uh, until you're in there and you're trading punches and everything, you don't quite know what it's like. I've been trading punches my entire life in and out of the courtroom. So uh, this is something I do. It's something I believe passionately in, and I'm just going to stay with it. Well, I think it's an amazing moment in Italian-American history, no matter where our audience members or any individual falls on the spectrum of opinions around Columbus and Columbus Day and our heritage. It's an unprecedented moment of uh, both action and unity and and significant unity. You're talking about, you know, 50-something groups of Italian-Americans who've signed on to this thing. So uh, for your uh, time and work and effort and uh, and strength, thank you for, for doing this. You know, I think the conclusion that I came to in the hours and hours of interviews that I did about Columbus. And I was very transparent from the get-go that I never felt a particular affinity towards Christopher Columbus as a historical figure or even as a representation of Italian-Americanism. For me, it was not what I sort of related to. You know, I had other holidays and things. But I think it's safe to say that through everything that we've gone through in the past year and everything we've gone through in the years before, I've sort of evolved from a a position that I, I, I didn't, particularly care about Columbus and the significance of the holiday or statues to Italian Americans. Uh, I think now I've evolved to really see where first and foremost, 
for whatever reason, our community is the one most closely associated with this figure in this moment in time, uh, it may fall to us to be the vanguard of defending a lot more than just a man, a statue. That's, um, you're, you're hitting on it right now. That, that's exactly yeah. where we're at, John, and, and what we're dealing with. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm honored to be on your show, and I've listened to your other podcasts, and I've always enjoyed them. And uh, like you're thanking me, I want to thank you for your hard work because, uh, you know, uh, getting these podcasts out and, and really delving into these issues and everything is just so helpful to, you know, our community. Uh, I think it's just a wonderful thing. Thanks so much thank for you. having me, John. Oh, thank you for being here. And I really appreciate your kind words. And we're going to both of us keep uh, pushing forward for the community and for the country because that's the important thing to do so it's been a real pleasure having the conversation and i hope everybody finds it uh, timely and informative and uh, if you have any questions we're always looking forward to the reactions of our listeners and uh, i think it's going to be an interesting battle and god willing we'll have you on down the road to digest where it's gone so from all of us at the italian american podcast thanks for listening and we'll see you next week If you want your life to be great, see that you're born an Italiano and your life will be great. See that you're born an Italiano and...